0: Fans, you hear us talk about it a lot, but the Competitive Mindset Podcast with Billy Kegler is absolutely rolling. Coach Kegler was a former guest on the Greatest Games Podcast, so check out the Competitive Mindset Podcast wherever you find your podcast and on social media at Competitive Pod. And if you haven't done it already, check out teachhoops.com slash 816basketball for incredible coaching resources from the great Steve Collins. Again, teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. And you can still donate to our boy Takuma Letsum and his fight against ALS. If you go to our Twitter page, at 816basketball, you'll find a pinned tweet there with all information about his fight with ALS. Again, at 816basketball on Twitter. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio.
1: Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast. A chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, a JV coach, a B-team coach, an AAU coach, uh, maybe even a player, just as long as they tell us why that game is so special.
0: That's right. It could be a former player, and I'm going to embarrass our guest. i probably told him this behind closed doors, but on the air, I'm going to go ahead and embarrass him now. Our guest today was one of my favorite players to ever wear a Gamecock uniform. Grew up watching him play about about the same age, but just loved the way he played the game of basketball. A former guard of the University of South Carolina, and now a state champion coach at South Point in Rock Hill, Melvin Watson. Welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast.
2: Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me
1: on. Uh, terrific, Melvin, and Brian talks about that. Now, we'll talk briefly, Melvin, about what Brian said growing up. You were one of his favorites. I grew up in New Jersey, but I was a diehard college basketball fan, and I was in college the same time you were. And, I mean, I watched plenty of games with that three-headed monster, of Melvin Watson, Larry Davis, and B.J. Mackey, one of the great all-time backcourts Man. in SEC history.
2: Yes, yes, you, you know, um, every time I talk about that team, I always tell people, you know, when you mention one, you got to mention the other two, because we were just, we're, we're always going to be connected for life, for what we did at the University of South Carolina, and just being honest, man, I just, it was a privilege to play with those guys, and they just made the game so much fun and easy for
1: me to play. Well those two guys can fill it up now. So you're right. You get you yes. got some assists there because those two guys can put the <laughs> put the biscuit in the basket, as they say. <laughs> yes. Yes, well, they can
2: tell
1: a little bit about your post-college career and how you got into coaching and, and how you got up there to South Point and have been so successful for, you know, almost two decades now.
2: Oh man, that's weird because uh, I, I I wasn't trying to be in the coaching uh, when I came back. Uh, from overseas uh, my wife is from Rock Hill and I was kind of going between three spots between Columbia Charleston back to Rock Hill and uh, I wanted to start like a a camp for younger kids to work on the individual skills and I invited coach Fogler up and we kind of toured the facilities in Rock Hill to try to figure out what was the best spot for me to probably start opening up the workouts and, and you know just just trying to get it up and running at this time and he was a huge help for me trying to figure out what the next step for me would be outside of basketball. And, you know, uh, we went to South Point, South Point, and I ran into uh, Dwayne Hartzell who had just uh, left Lancaster to take the uh, job there at South Point. And he walked in the gym and he recognized me and Coach Fogler and he came over and he was talking and he was like, hey, you know, at this point, when you get done with playing, what, what's your plan? I was like, you know, I didn't. This is my plan to start doing workouts. He's like, hey, how, how would you feel about working and being a coach? Coach in high school. I was like, no, I don't think that is for me. But before I can finish the sentence, Coach Fogler was like, yes, he will take the job. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in all honesty, uh, between Dwayne Hartson and Coach Fogler, that's basically how I got into coaching. I came on to his staff. He asked me if I was interested in varsity or JV. And at that time I was more interested in more skill guys. So I wanted to just do varsity and uh, just be his assistant coach. And I just wanted to coach at a high level because my initial thought is to probably try to get into college coaching when it was all said and done. But, you know, I, I found out that getting into that business is really difficult because everybody seems to be trying to go in that direction. And then, and it's, you know, all who you know and years of experience as far as somebody give me a chance as, as far as coaching at the uh, college level. But, you know, I ended up being in high school and I fell in love with it. I, I just love working with the kids. And, you know, just I remember being in high school and wanting to play uh, college basketball. It didn't matter what level it was for me. Of course, it's a little bit different nowadays. Everybody's looking for the next step as far as playing in the league and make money. So, you know, the ultimate goal was to get to division one. But, you know, once I got into, got into high school coaching, it was all about helping these kids as much as possible for me.
1: Nellie, uh, you talked a little bit about it. So and the question may rehash a little bit of the story with coach Fogler there. Um, I remember having a conversation with Mike Boynton his senior year and uh-huh. we were just, we might've been on a bus going somewhere. And I kind of said, you know, what do you, what do you think about doing after school, after college? I said, are you thinking about getting into coaching? I kind of asked the leading question and he goes, man, why does everybody say that? And he said, I'm a player. And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, well, as some, sometimes your playing career ends, right. right. You know? Right. And, and he said, everyone always tells me I'd be a good coach. And I'm like, well, that should be a somewhat of a hint, right? Like, Did anyone ever mention – now, again, sort of the point guard mentality usually leads to good coaching. Obviously, you had that. Did anyone, when you were in college, and anyone bring it up or say it to you and you probably kind of just dismissed it as well?
2: No. I I, I mean, the perception was that we would have an opportunity to continue to make money playing. So it was never a thought of coaching. And, um, you know, when – you know, the pre-draft – camp came out and my name was circling around of being a early second rounder to a late round draft pick to go on undrafted, maybe free agent. It was always a thought of, hey, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket and and trying to make the NBA level. But uh, to be honest, and I know a lot of people probably won't believe this, but, you know, when I choose a school to attend and play ball for uh, – for Coach Fogler in the University of South Carolina. I fell in love with Coach Fogler because his his pitch was, you will graduate with a degree, and that was my number one goal. And uh, when he presented the academic part of it and how he was going to help me achieve those goals, I knew right then that was the spot for me to go and play at. So it was never a thought of playing basketball to make money. It was always uh, just to get my degree and just further my education and position myself to take care of my family in the long run, uh, long term, as they were saying. And you know, I was blessed, and God gave me an opportunity to go overseas and play a couple of years, make a pretty good living, and then just coming back and get my life started. So it's kind of weird uh, that you said that because it was – coaching was never brought up. I don't think anybody ever looked at me and said, Hey, he's going to be a coach because, you know, my, uh, my, my instincts and my athletic ability just kind of took over when you're talking about just playing the game. And I realized how much I didn't know when I've got into coaching, than I was playing (laughs) because there's so many aspects of the game you have to teach. And, you know, I've learned so much from uh, playing at, at the high level and, and playing overseas and playing with guys in Europe and, and learning, like, just different nuance nuances to make you a better ball player, besides just being, an af, being athletic and being a scorer, playing overseas, those guys really teach you how to play the game. And that's why you see so many guys getting drafted and being, playing in the NBA. And the game has evolved with European players being part of it.
0: So, Melvin, I'm fascinated to hear that story about Coach Fogler – Going to Rock Hill with you years after you have graduated, so you you get that degree, you go overseas and play overseas, I have a great career overseas in Belgium, if I remember right, is that correct? Well, right, that's correct. Okay. That's correct. And you come back, and here's this guy that has recruited you, coached you for four years, and now here he is helping you get started after you finish your playing career. He's not your coach anymore, but he's still your coach in this in this way. What, talk about that experience with him. Obviously, all three of us love Coach Eddie Fogler. Um, he, I mean, in a way, he gave us all all starting in, in basketball, right, um, right? But talk about that relationship with him, and how do you carry that forward now with the kids that you're coaching at South Point?
2: Uh, being at the coach Fogler, man, he, you know, coming from Dean Smith uh, branch and an North Carolina branch, he teaches family, and uh, when you play for him, you're always going to be a part of his family. Uh, You can always reach out to him and give him a call and he'll help you in any way possible even to this day before the state championship game. He and I spoke after the championship game. He spoke he he comes up to Rock Hill and come to a practice and give me an evaluation of my team and probably give me some advice on on how I can make my team better. Not only me but with Larry uh, as well coaching over at YPA. And you know, um, I just love that guy. I I I can't put into words how much he's impacted my life and how grateful I am that you know God has blessed me to be a part, uh have him a part of my life and how he's taught me how to stay connected with guys that I've played with and just teach that family uh I, I, I'm missing a word here, but just teaching that family mode of, you know, you, once a game Gamecock, always a game Gamecock. You know, that, that 95, 98, team, we still stay in touch from the players to the managers to the coaches. We all still talk. I talked to Coach Coop, talked to Coach Lebo, was really happy to see that he was back in the game coaching in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Coach Callahan, I miss that guy. He's, <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a while, but he's always been a part of the family tree as well. Uh, Bartley Radelbaugh, uh John Combs. I mean, the list goes on and on. Those guys, uh, even Kerry Rich, Andy Bostic. When you look at the players and how many players are coaching right now in high school basketball, uh, it's amazing that what we're doing and as far as in the state, trying to pass on what we've learned through our coaches that we've played for. And I'm really excited to see these guys be successful and to pass on the knowledge that they've gained to the younger guys in the state to boost
1: up basketball in the state. Well, a couple things from that answer. Mel. First of all, don't give Carrie Rich any credit. You don't give <laughs> Carrie any credit. Oh, uh, Kat been a big part of uh, my first career. He having me move on. Yeah, yeah. I'm, g- I'm glad uh, that Coach Fogler lives 800 miles away from my team's practices because if he came, he'd probably tell me to resign. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Well, you mentioned a lot of people there. You mentioned a lot of Gamecocks, and this is only going to be fun for the Gamecock fans here, but, Rose, I'm going to ask it. Melvin, you got to give me a Matt Cradell story. Matt? Man, you got
2: to give Matt. me a
1: Matt Craddell story.
2: <sighs> Matt is, is great, man. He's awesome. <laughs> That's the only story I can give you about Matt. <laughs> Matt and, and I have always had a great relationship. Now, once you get your gear for the year, no, it's hard to get extra when it comes to <laughs> Matt. <laughs> he he, is by the books, he does everything the right way. Uh, he works extremely hard. Uh, he's a great guy. It was it was an honor to see him get honored, and uh, when he retired, well deserved. He's been a part of of uh, this program for many years. You've seen a lot of great coaches, a lot of great players come through. Uh, great guy great friend great father i can't say enough about matt uh i actually missed him i actually talked to him maybe about two or three months ago uh just before the state championship you know uh, just getting a text from him brought a smile to my face and you know, that guy is great he's great
1: do you get random texts from him i'll get a random text on like a tuesday afternoon and it'll just say, hope you're all well and the family's good. Like, just out of nowhere. <laughs> yes.
2: I, I, every now and again, I will. He uh, he will drop a, a line saying, hey, just you've been, you're have been you on my mind. Hope you're taking care of yourself. You know, get out there and, and work out and drop a few LBs because, you know, I put on some weight. So he's, he's always reminded me to keep working. So I really appreciate that from Matt.
1: I got it right there in the semi. You can't see it. The cell number, Matt. Yep, right there. Yeah, that's it. Is. <laughs> yeah, let's
0: be honest. The, the fact that Matt Crudell even has a cell phone still blows my mind. <laughs> for our listeners that don't know who Matt Crudell is, he's the legendary equipment manager in South Carolina. Everybody knows Matt Crudell and for years, never had a cell phone, carried around a beeper. But what if you needed to get in touch? with matt Cradell, you used to dial it was 777 i can't remember his last four digits of his office number uh down there
2: i would just go up there and go to the back where the washing machine was and i know he would be back there
1: working that's right that's right
0: that's right right. the 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 day that the world stopped the day that matt Cradell got a cell phone there's just (laughs) uh around that but uh, yeah one of the all-time greats too but you talk about that family i mean you're talking about uh is Mac and everybody. It was just uh uh for, for a guy like me to be able to wipe it up wipe up some sweat and fill up some water bottles and uh be a part of it. It was just uh it was really special and um appreciate you sharing that Mel and so let's go ahead and 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 I uh, know you've got you've got a couple of great games that you've sent in uh one from your playing days and one from your coaching days. So go ahead and take our listeners through your journey, these these greatest games to take us in the arenas, into the gyms and talk about your
2: greatest games, Mel. Well, uh, my I think one of the there's a lot of great games that we played in that between that '96 to '98 season. Uh, just winning the SEC championship that year and going to Rump and beating them twice, of course. Everybody talks about that game and the Cincinnati game uh, when we came back from 22-24 down, and uh, even the Florida game when we started the season at five and five and going on the road and being down 16 in the second half and coming back between BJ and Larry, maybe making like 10 threes between the two of them and bringing us back and winning it at the last second. Uh, There's a lot of great games, but for me, I think the one game that really turned everything around for me was playing in in NIT. I think it was the second round or third round, but it was to go to New York. We were playing Alabama at home, and I drove the ball baseline against Marvin Orange, and the ball ricocheted off my leg and went out of bounds, and Alabama ended up winning that game and going on to New York and playing at Madison Square Garden. I think that game, for me, uh, changed my perspective as far as how good I was going to be at University of South Carolina. I, I felt that I was progressing pretty well, but when that happened, uh, I think it just put me in a mindset of really getting in the gym that summer and try to redeem that uh, lost opportunity that we had. And I- I've never forgotten that game. So, I- and I've been put in two or three games, si- game winning situation, and has come through after that. So, that moment really uh, changed my career at the University of South Carolina.
1: So, um, you just mentioned Marvin Arns. Now, he was a South Carolina kid as well, right?
2: Right, Marvin played well, in with
1: something there going up against them, right? Because you probably played high yeah, like school was... against them, or
2: no, that was uh, BJ's big brother at the at the time, and <laughs> you know Marvin is a great guy, great player. I remember watching him and playing against, you know, just playing in the state championship when those guys were playing, and we end up losing the Burns in the state championship in overtime, and they end up winning it, and I can remember coming to South, South Carolina. And I had my state runner up ring. And, you know, at the time, BJ saw it. <laughs> and he was like, Why are you wearing that? We don't celebrate second place. You need to throw that away. So, you know, <laughs> I, I felt so type of way, but it was, as being older, it's funny now because you understand where he was coming from. That guy, you know, he, that program, uh, Coach Whipple has done a great job with that program. It's one of the staples in the, in the state. You know, you always count on them competing for a state championship year after year. Even when you think he has a down year, he does a great job with the talent that he has. And you know he's going to be right there in the thick of things. And, you know, um, just going against and I really wanted to be able to just say, hey, I had the game winner on your boy, and now we're going to uh, Madison Square Garden to play in the Mecca of basketball. But we did I didn't get that opportunity, and I was disappointed.
1: Well, take us through your state championship game. You've, you've referenced it a couple times now as a coach. And, and, you know, take us through the game a little bit. And, and obviously you guys won. And, and the, the feeling winning as a coach, what that feeling's like, even more so than a player maybe, or the different well, feeling. Uh,
2: well, I'm going to take you just through that day, you know, just waking up probably like 4 o'clock that morning, couldn't sleep, uh, watching tape before going, getting on the bus, um talking to uh some former players. Um just nervous. I mean, just really nerve-wracking because I've been here twice and came up short. And I felt that we had a team that could complete the journey. And I always felt that way once we <clears throat> excuse me, once we got past AC Floor, I thought I really felt of chances being good and with Irmo being knocked out, I felt like beating AC Ford, beating Greenville, we just had a really good opportunity. I didn't realize how well Coach Hilton Head was. They were really prepared, and there were some South Carolina Tides there. Uh, he he uh, was a grad assistant under Don Staley's first year, so there were some South Carolina Tides there. He came and his team was had taken away a lot of stuff that we like to do with the high ball screen, and you know, just having to go in and had halftime and make some adjustments and giving ourselves an opportunity to come back when it really didn't look like we had an opportunity to win it. You know, my kids fought hard and played hard all game long and to pull it out and actually win it, it was like a huge relief because as a player and a coach, you think of you go back and you think about the SEC tournament when we played Kentucky and got beat by 30. So I came up short there. You think about the prep school championship against New Hampshire, came up short there. You think about playing overseas and playing in the, uh, the Belgium Cup, the finals, and I came up short there. It's like it was a pattern going there on there. And when I finally got the win, I just collapsed to the floor. It was like a huge relief. Like I finally got one, you know, to go my way and and to say that, you know, now that I'm a champion, that really felt good and you know, and kind of wiped the away a little bit of the disappointment with the NCAA tournament and the college career. I mean, I, I wish we could have won two games that got to the sweet 16 or, or so It really would have been huge for me as well, but to win the state championship, that kind of lessened the pain a little bit.
0: So Melvin, tell me, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated. I don't, don't want to dig too deep into that. Uh, story that you opened up with dribbling it off uh, uh, going out of bounds and and that defeat and you talk about coming up short a couple of times Um, how did you really just pick yourself back up and say all right hey yeah dribbled it off uh, out of bounds hey we came up short we didn't we we didn't make it a sweet 16 like you mentioned a couple times as a player but hey I'm I'm still going to keep pushing here hey I didn't win a state championship here as a coach but hey coming back again how did you just I'm I'm really am fascinated how you just kept picking yourself back up and saying, I'm going back to work again, going back to work again.
2: It it all comes down to support behind you, Uh, your coaching staff, teammates, uh, family, friends. When you have the support that you need to say, Hey, look, you know, this this is a cliche and you hear it all the time. One play doesn't dictate why you guys lost the game. (laughs) You hear it all the time, but, You know, when you're in that moment and and it's about you, the the spotlight is on you, and everybody remembers the last play, it always feels like it came down to that moment. And, um, you know, it's a cliche, and it's it's a true saying. You hear from uh, Michael Jordan, the legends, those guys, of how much they've been – they failed, and uh, they learned from their failure to be successful. And that's pretty much what it is. I mean, my mindset was, hey – did I leave everything out there and played as hard as I could and came up short? That's a disappointment, but you can pick yourself up when you know you've done that. And I believe, as a competitor, I believe every time I stepped on the floor, whether it was stitches across the eye, uh, torn meniscus, or a leg injury and still going out there and playing and giving everything you got, you can't be disappointing yourself. You just got to you just got to keep grinding and eventually you're going to have that breakthrough. That's how I always felt. And, and I have a strong belief and I believe that, you know, God put you through things to help you grow as a person and help you understand uh, life as, as in general. And those are life lessons that I took from the basketball court to carry on to everyday life and work and family. So those things really mold and shape me to who I am today.
0: Melvin, I I think that's so beautiful. I found an article here about that game, the the first game you're talking about. And there there are two quotes that I want to talk to us about, our listeners and everybody here. The first one is, from Coach Eddie Fogler, and he's quoted as saying, "If I had to do it over again, I'd do the same thing: clear out Melvin, one-on-one, take it to the basket, and take our chances." So look at that support from your head coach is saying, "Yeah, I, I, right. he just he didn't he didn't make the play." And then the la- the second quote is a quote from you is saying, "You know, I really don't know what to say right now." I'm just going to try to put this behind me now and move on and try to get better. And, and that's what you've done. I mean, and to see here you see be, be talking to you now about winning a state championship out of the sting of a defeat here years and years ago. I mean, I think, I think it's just a beautiful, a beautiful story, Melvin. I really appreciate you sharing all that with us.
2: Yeah, it's not a problem at all. I mean, it's just, you just got to look back on, on everything that's going on and just appreciate what you have. Cause you realize how, you know, people have lost loved ones with the pandemic and, you know, things are just bigger than in life than just basketball. And I'm happy to share. And I hope that, you know, I've, I've been able to encourage someone who's listening and just, you know, just have faith. Eventually, you know, your blessing will come before your blessing comes, you got to go through trials and tribulation. And those were things that I was, that was taught with me at a young age with my mom. And I just, just take what I learned from her and just, just keep it close to the vest and, and just be a better person every day.
1: All right, all that mushy stuff that Brian likes. We're going to end <laughs> with a fun question here, Melvin. You know um, I know. <laughs> If I ask uh, a couple kids who played for you, you 8, 10, 12 years ago and, and I ask kids who played for you this year, what's that one phrase or word or saying or mantra that Coach Watson – Always repeats. What's that thing you say over and over again? Family. Family
2: and compete. You have to compete because nothing is given to you. You have to earn everything that it is that you want to achieve. Those are the two main things that I teach my kids. And before we break the huddle or if we're gathering up at the end of practice, just compete. do it all together. Uh, One person can get it done. And that comes from my playing days with B.J. Larry, Ryan Goldman, Bud Johnson, uh, LaRon Williams, Herbert Lee Davis, Antonio Grant, David Ross. All those guys were, uh, Hagen Routes, Nate Wolverine, all those guys were a huge impact of why we, we were so successful during that time. So I just try to pass that on to uh, the younger kids that I'm coaching and hopefully that they can, they're listening and they can take it it in.
0: Well, I, I think Blas, I think we've got a new catchphrase. Uh, for our, our podcast and it's what I say all the time so I've said this the last several weeks is what else is there and, and and just hearing that Melbourne it's like if you're teaching your kids that hey it's just bigger than basketball we're a family here we're here for each other and hey this is what I've experienced and now providing this experience for you guys and y'all gonna be there for each other after year I mean it's just what else is there and, and it's a it's a beautiful backdrop to be able to do it with basketball and coming together and being able to do it and uh man melvin this is this has been great we can't thank you enough for for joining us on this show this is, this has been awesome oh, man
2: that's been fun talking with you guys and i really appreciate the opportunity to just to share uh with your listeners and i enjoyed it
0: yeah well we uh we appreciate you melvin and uh we will just—I uh, keep saying this too, Blasio. Have to have you back one day, with me need to do a big reunion show, maybe with oh. some some former Gamecocks. That that would be—that would be. Uh, our, we need to test our, our bandwidth. Maybe that, that would be a lot of fun. But uh, yep. un, un, until that time, we will go ahead and wrap this one up. From my co-host Chris De Blasio. I'm Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Greatest.